All right. How's everyone doing? Uh, yeah, that was depressing. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes, he was. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Hannibal Rodriguez. I'm happy to be one of the new pastors in the church. Uh, new pastors in my role. Um, so someone told me last week, this is not even in my notes, so hopefully it's from the Spirit. Someone told me that when I announce who I am, I should use the title senior pastor. And I will sometimes. But I rather see myself as one of the pastors, the first among equals. Because in this church, every pastor, every minister is important. And the Lord has given me the gift to lead them. So if I don't introduce myself all the time as the senior pastor, it's because I really don't want to. All right. For the last two weeks, we have been, um, actually it started last week and today, we, we have been talking about uh, this series that we have called Transitions, in which we are looking into some of the characters in the Old Testament that went through transitions, and we're trying to learn from them uh, the things that they had that we need today in order for us to face this transition we are going through. So last week we learned from Abraham, and today we're going to learn from another two characters, Moses and Joshua. And for that, we're going to read, once again, a famous text that is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. And we're going to read all the way to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. I'm going to ask you to please stand for the reading of God's word as a sign of reverence to him. And if you are still here, can you say, I'm here? That was really good. Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 19. This is what the Lord says. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have said before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Chapter 31, verse 1. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, I am, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. Verse 5. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, 
Be strong and courageous. You must go with these people into the land that, I, that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide, or ancestors to give them, to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Lord, these words that you spoke to the Israelites and then you repeated to Joshua are the very words we need today. In the midst of transitions and uneasiness, and knowing, Lord, that we are moving from the past into the future, and knowing that there's a certain level of, of discomfort, Lord, I pray, Lord, that the words that you gave Israel and the words that you, the words that you gave Joshua become reality to us today. We pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We pray for his person and his ministry. Allow us to understand. Help us see. Help us believe. And help us respond. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And this beautiful church says, you may take a seat. The main thing, the main concept we're going to talk about today is this. That it is the presence of God, the only and the only thing that preserves people through transitions. That it is only the presence of God, the one thing that the Lord uses to preserve his people through transitions. And today in this text, we're going to talk about we're going to look into these, actually, four different characters, if you will. We're going to look into Moses as the prophet. We're going to look into Joshua as the warrior. We're going to look into the Israelites as the people. And we look at, we're going to look at Jesus as the Savior. So these are my four points for today. The prophet. With the prophet, we're going to learn what is um, the, about God's crucial presence. With the warrior, we're going to learn about God's committed presence. With the people, we will see what it means to reject God's presence. And, of course, we got to get to Savior, Jesus Christ, which is the restoring, the, the, the restorer of God's presence. So let's go with the first point, uh, the prophet, God's crucial preference, uh, presence. Before I start, though, I, I have to start with a theological concept here. Because if, if you don't understand that theological can, uh, concept, then nothing else is going to make sense. And this is a theological concept that a lot of you uh, are familiar uh, with it already. But just in case there are some that are not familiar with it, I, I want to spend some, a few minutes talking about it. And the concept is the theological reality of the transcendence and the imminence of God. That our God, the God of the Bible, is a God that is both transcendent and is also very present. So, for example, when theologians talk about the transcendence of God, they say that this has to do with things that, um, there are things that describe God as someone that is not limited by space or time. Sometimes the, uh, theologians say that he's actually above time. 
And because he is not restricted by anything, then he also has control over everything. He is above and beyond everything else. Now, some people might hear that, and they assume that because God is transcendent, then he cannot be truly, truly present. That would be their argument. That if God is transcendent, it is impossible for that God to have a personal relationship with tiny people like you and me. But it is because of that that then theologians come back and they also talk about the imminence of God, which means the presence of God. So God is both transcendent and at the same time is very present with his people. The Bible shows us that God is both transcendent, not here, and also here in a very real way with us. Once again, some theologians call this the relational presence of God. And I don't know if you knew this, but Christianity is the only religion in the world, the only system of beliefs that describes a God in those terms. A God that is both transcendent, not limited by anything or restricted by anything. A God that is in complete control, but that at the same time is super, very present with his people. So listen to John Frame, the theologian John Frame. This is how he puts it. Divine transcendence and imminence are the related Christian doctrines that while God is exalted in his royal dignity and exercises both control and authority in his creation, transcendence, he is by virtue of this control and authority very present. Can you say very present? To his creation, especially his people, in a personal and intimate way. Now, why start with this? Because if there's one person in the Bible that truly understands this, it's Moses. Moses is the perfect example of someone in the Bible that understood these two concepts. How do I know that? You guys remember the first time God introduces himself to Moses? That was in Exodus chapter 3. Before the Lord is about to send Moses into Egypt to deliver his people, God shows himself to Moses and introduces himself as I am. Later on, he says, I am who I am. And any scholar, biblical scholar, will tell you that when God uses that name, he's saying that he's the God that always was, that always is, and that who um, forever will be. Transcendence. He introduces himself to Moses as the God that is not restricted by anything or anybody, that is in control of everything, that existed forever and would always exist. Transcendence. But right after he says that, before he sends them into Egypt, Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, verse 12 says this, And God said to Moses, I will be with you. It's not, I am going to send you and see you from afar. I am going to send you and just pray for you from here. I'm going to send you and hope that things go well. I'm sending you 
and I will be with you. His relational presence. Now, if you know the story a little bit, you know that God has seen, he, he had seen the, the affliction of his people. He knows that they had been slaves there for a while. And because God is never indifferent to the pain of his people, he wants to deliver them. And God knows that it won't be easy. And God knows that Moses will struggle from outside and from within. And he says, don't worry, I will be with you. Now, in order for you to truly, truly grasp what the Lord is saying here, you have to keep in mind that this is people that have been in slavery for 400 years. 400 years. You know what that means? Probably, most likely, four to five generations of people born into slavery. And it is estimated that the amount of people that the Lord saved there was about two million people. That the Israelites at that time were about two million people. And in Egypt, it is estimated that there was a total amount of uh, 400, uh, 4 million people, Egyptians. Meaning that God is promising to Moses that he's going to use them to deliver one-third of the population. Listen up. Can you imagine how powerful Egypt had to be to keep people in slavery for 400 years? You know how powerful Egypt had to be to have in full control two million people. That's the size of the population of Chicago. And God says, I want you to step out in faith. I want you to go into that mess. And I want you to remember that the infinite, sufficient, omnipotent, omnipotent omniscient, omnipresent, God, mer uh, good, merciful, full of grace, loving God is going with you. That God is going with you. And I hope you know that Moses, even though he was a man of faith, and even though he trusted the relational presence of God, Moses struggled all the time. Actually, this shaped Moses so and so much, even though he struggled, that later on, the Lord is pushing him to press into the promised land. So let me go back a second. So he goes through Egypt. We see that the Lord does these amazing things through him and for him and for the Israelites. And after they get out, things start to go south again. And I'll share some examples in a second. And now he's pressing him to go into the promised land. And now Moses, the Lord says this to Moses. And look at how Moses responds. Exodus chapter 33. The Lord said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But look at what Moses says. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. You know what that means? Moses is saying to the Lord, if you're not going to go with me to the promised land, I don't want the promised land. If you are not going to go with us, I don't want that. If you are not going to be with me, I don't want the honey, the milk, the fruit, and everything the, the land has. 
If you're not going with me, I don't want any of that. Why would Moses say that? Because he learned that in the midst of all transitions in life, the only thing that matters the most is that God is with you. Here, church, you know that this poor guy, man, he had a really tough ministry. Like, I mean, if it was me, I, I am not sure if I would have followed that call to ministry. See, the Israelites are very similar to me. Maybe not to you, but to me. Stubborn, sometimes. Complainer, sometimes. Whining, always. <laughs> and the Lord calls him to lead that people. I mean, just, just to give you an example here, you remember the Lord delivers, so we've got the 10 plagues of Egypt, right? The Lord gives them freedom, which that in itself, you, you would think that is enough, right? Now, you walk in and you get to the Red Sea, and God once again performs this crazy miracle in which he parts the sea in two, and they go through the Red Sea, and you would think that that's enough. But three days later, uh, later, three days later, the people started complaining, saying, I think we should go back to Egypt. Tell me if there's not something wrong there. Three days later. So I have to be completely honest. I think that my first reaction not all my reactions, but my first reaction will be to look at these people and say, you want to go back to Egypt? Go ahead. More food for us? <laughs> Actually, let me, let me walk you through. Give me a napkin, and I'm going to draw a little a map for you. So you're going to go three miles through the desert here. And once you find a little hill of sand, make a left. And once you get to the Red Sea, don't worry. I know a guy that will help you cross the Red Sea. And yet, that's not what Moses does. But interesting enough, though, that as he continues in the journey, there's one time in which he publicly dishonors the Lord. You remember that? And this is what the Lord tells him. You won't make it into the promised land. And any of us would say, what? This is what happened in chapter 31, verse 1. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. And he says, I am now 120 years old. I am, I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. How many of us here struggle with that? Raise your hand. Only like five? You're lying. <laughs> deep, down in, deep down inside, many of us would say, that's not fair. All right, this is family, right? How many of you guys think that that's not fair? Raise your hand. That's better. 
I mean, you have a guy, man, that has a 120-year-old life. 40 years in Egypt, living a luxurious life. 20 years in the wilderness by himself. And then you would think that the last 20 years should be the retiring years, and yet the Lord sends them into the desert to lead a stubborn people. And the guy does his job well. You know what's interesting, though? The reason why I like chapter 31, verse 1, is because Moses shows us that he's okay with what the Lord told them to do. You know how crazy it is that he gets to the promised land? And actually, when you keep on reading, you see that he gets to see the promised land, and the Lord says, see it, but you will make it. And he dies there. And not once in that passage, he complains. Actually, if you follow the story, he complained only once. At the beginning of the journey, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, it says that Moses pleaded with God, can you please be merciful to me? Allow me to get to the promised land. And the Lord said, I don't want to talk about it. And they never talked about that again. Why is it that Moses was willing to die not making it to the promised land? See, in Hebrews 11, verse 27, says that the reason why Moses endured all of this is because he saw him who is invisible. The word to see there can be translated as to experience. Forty years in the desert, and he got to experience, not just know, not just hear, but to experience what it means to be sustained by the presence, relational presence of God for 40 years. And he goes up the hill, and he sees the beauty in the horizon. And he says, it's okay if I don't make it. Because the presence of God changes everything. Listen up, church. I really don't know if we're going to have a promised land one day here. I, I don't know what the Lord is going to lead us to into the future because I have plans, but you know that those plans could change like tomorrow. But this I know, that the God of the transitions of Moses is the same God that we have in the midst of our transition. That the God that was with Moses, the relational presence of God with Moses is the same relational presence that we have today. Therefore, you and I are being called to step out in faith into the future, knowing that God is going with us. Amen? Amen. Say it like you mean it. Amen? Amen? All right, that was Moses. That should be enough. But because it's Christmas in October, let's talk about Joshua. Uh, is that Joshua? Yeah. 
And with Joshua, we're going to call him the warrior. We're going we're gonna to learn, we're going to talk about God's commitment, uh, committed presence. Now look at what happened in verse 7. Uh, Moses is calling Joshua, and then God is speaking through Moses to Joshua, and he says, be strong and courageous, for you must go with these people into the land of the Lord's sword to their ancestors uh, to give them. And then Moses, in, Moses says in verse 8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now, this is a beautiful promise. But notice that the Lord calls Joshua to be strong and courageous, but not because he's by nature an amazing guy. He's not cheering for Joshua and saying, you can do it. Actually, what the text says is that the strength and courage of Joshua is coming from the realization and the reality and the objective truth that God will never leave him nor forsake him and that God himself will go with him. That's why he says, you should not be afraid. This is what is interesting, though, and this is how you got to learn how to read the Bible. Whenever the Lord says something like this, it's because the text assumes, in the case of Joshua, that once they go into the promised land, things will get complicated. If not, this verse is not necessary. Actually, the text assumes that once Joshua goes into the promised land with these people, um, he's going to feel fear. And that he will feel alone. And that at times he will feel that he's forsaken. But this is what the Lord is doing. He's calling Joshua to live not by feelings, but by convictions. Know that the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. Know that the Lord is going with you. Not by feelings, but convictions. This is what the Lord is calling us to do. To move into the future, not empty-handed, and not just hoping that the Lord will do something in us and through us, but that the Lord is going with us, whether we feel it or not. Amen. Whether we feel it or not. We believe it. There's something unique here during this text. Because right at the end, the Lord tells them, do not be discouraged. You know that phrase means, do not, do not lose heart. And you're like, what? what? What do you mean, do not lose heart? <laughs> Listen to Joshua's call into ministry. He tells him that. And then the Lord lets him know what is going to happen in the future. Verse 16. And the Lord said to Moses, you are going to rest with your ancestors, and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. Look at what he says. That the very people that experience the mercy and grace of God will enter into the land, or their kids actually, enter into the land, and they will forget about their real God and start worshiping other gods. And look at what God says he's going to do. Verse 17. I will hide my face 
presence from them, and they will be destroyed. And the people said, have not these disasters come on us because God is not with us? This is Joshua's call to ministry. God says in modern terms, dude, you are called into ministry. This is what I want you to do. But once you step into ministry, just know that the very people you're leading we're gonna be, we're gonna, will, will start worshiping other gods. Listen, I don't know how you feel about that, but I'll tell you how I feel about that. I would say to God, thanks, but no thanks. I have enough with my sins. I have enough with my struggles. I have enough with everything that I struggle with. Why would I want to embrace somebody else's pain? Why would I want to embrace somebody else's sin? You know what's crazy about Joshua? He says, I'll go. I'll do it. Why would he say that? Because of the same reason Moses lived, lived leading people for 40 years. He understood that even when he felt alone and that even when he felt forsaken and even when he was feeling fear, God still will be with him. So let me share something really quick with you. I don't know if I, I think I shared this with you before, but this is one of the passages the Lord used to call me into ministry. Now, I don't think that you're like the Israelites. And I hope you're not. But this is what the Lord this is one of the passages the Lord used in my life to call me into ministry. Why? Because he gave me this big vision. Not of the things that we can accomplish together, but this big vision that, going, that God is going with me. And that God is going with us. And that God is going with you. The presence of God in the midst of transitions changes everything. You know, this is a story that I've used before, but this morning when I was finishing my sermon, and I finished my sermon on Sunday mornings, just so you know. <laughs> um, this story came to mind again, so I, I think I have to share it again. And it's a story about these two Christians that are living in a part of the world in which Christianity is illegal. And they're about to get executed because of their faith. And the way they were going to get executed was to be burned at stake. So they had two options. Either they deny Jesus or they burn. 
And one of the Christians says to the other, to the one that is going first, he says, listen, I, I need to know that if when you are being burned alive, if you will, I, I need you to tell me if you feel the presence of God. He says, the way I'm going to know that you are feeling the presence of God is if you raise your hands. So the guy moves forward. And as he's being burned alive, he raises his hands and goes like this. That's what we have. That's what I have. That's what you have. That's how we step into the future. A God that is very, very present. At all times. Do you believe that? Amen. All right, so we learn from Moses. We learn from Joshua. And really quick, and this is really quick. We have to pay attention to the people, the Israelites, because even though they had unearthed all the stuff that we are talking about here today, they rejected God's presence. So, for example, in verse chapter 30, verse 19, the Lord calls them to choose life, to love him, to listen to his voice, to hold on, to hold fast to him. The word hold fast there means to be faithful to God regardless of what happens. And to help them, and to motivate them into trusting the Lord, he tells them in verse 4 about these two incidents, two things in the past in which the Lord showed that he was faithful. So he talks about Sihon and Og, and if you read that in Deuteronomy chapters 2 and 3, this is literally the Lord doing everything for his people. He delivered them, he protected them, he defeated the enemy. People didn't do anything, it was only the Lord. And then God tells these people the same thing that he told Joshua. Look at here, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But they did walk away from God. The question is why? Here's where I want us to be careful. Because when we step into the future with transitions... There are times in which we were all going to feel that we have been abandoned. There's going to be times in which we all going to feel that we have been forsaken. There's going to be times in which we all going to feel fear. And if we don't remember that God is with us, we will do the very same things that these people do. Start looking for satisfaction, security, and significance in other places. We will take the good things that God gives us. And we will think that if we have those things, then we are secure. And there's always the danger that we exchange our God for the good things that God gives. As we step into the future, I don't want us to trust our budget, 
our programs, our ministries, our strategies, our ideas, our gifted leaders, and our plans. I want us to trust the Lord. And I want us to trust that he's committed to us. And I want us to trust that he is and will be with us. Give him glory. Can we do that? Depends. See, I don't think that we're very different to the Israelites. This is the reason why we got to talk about this. We not only need all these concepts, but we need a Savior. The one that will restore the presence of God. Give me 30 seconds. This is what we have that these people didn't have. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, God was very present with the Israelites back then. But we have something even better. Because we not only have the spiritual uh, presence of God, like in the Old Testament, we have God himself in human form with us through his spirit. So we know that Jesus is not here. We know that Jesus ascended to heaven and is on the right hand of the Father. We know that. But we also know that that Emmanuel, God with us, is with us through his spirit in a very personal way. So even when we feel everything that we feel, the spirit will remind you that you are never alone. See, we deserve what the Israelites deserved. You see that they went and worshiped other gods? Did you see what the Lord did? He hid himself and left them alone. And because what Jesus did, and because our Emmanuel came, and because Jesus went to the cross, God does not hide his, his, his face from us because he already hid him, his face from his son. Why have you forsaken me, Jesus said. And you know what the answer is? So you and I will never be forsaken. Did you hear that? The reason why Jesus lives and dies and cries out, why have you forsaken me? Is so you and I know that we will never be forsaken. That's how we step into the future. That's how we know that God would always be with us. That's how we trust him. We have more than an evidence that God will be with us. We have Jesus Christ and him living, dying, and resurrecting. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Beautiful Savior, we, we are grateful that whenever you call the church to something... You always go with us. And I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that as we step into this new transition in the life of the church, we may be convinced and we may experience that the omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, full of wisdom, full of mercy, full of grace, full of love, God,
is going with us. Lord, we believe. Please help us believe even more. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. The church says. And now we want to receive the blessing that the Lord guarantees for us at the cross. But there's a piece here that I never had the chance to explain before. This is what you hear every time I send you out. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you. Did you know that the face in the Old Testament is the imagery of a God that is very present? Is the personal presence of God. So as you leave this place, remember that God is truly growing with you. Have a blessed day. We love you. Thanks for coming.